Three questions for this week. You'll tell me which one you want to talk about. Um, it will take a while to read them, though, because uh, so the, uh, two of them are emails, and they were fairly long. Uh, we'll start with this one. Um, I don't think we've done this one yet. If we have, you can stop me. Shalom, Rabbi. After much thought and personal personal contemplation, I think it is time I ask a question that has come to my attention a few times over the last few months. I will try to sum up the background story as succinctly and clearly as possible. Here goes. My parents are both Russian immigrants. My dad was born to a Jewish family, and my mother was adopted by Jewish parents in Russia, um, and she was told that she was born Jewish as well. But nobody was religious. Her adoptive parents were not religious. They were not observant. They don't have proof that she was born to Jewish parents. And they certainly never conducted any sort of orthodox conversion. Neither of my parents came from observant Jewish backgrounds. My parents got married in 1998 after meeting in college. They were never affiliated with Judaism other than some basic principal restrictions like not eating pork or not having a Christmas tree in the house. I was born in 1999. By the time I had reached kindergarten age, they made a decision to enroll me in the local Jewish day school. This is in the Midwest somewhere. Uh, He asked me to leave out some of the details. So uh, let's say the Midwest somewhere. Uh, of the United States of America, right? Okay. Uh, there I learned prayers, laws, and customs, and how to read the alphabet. Soon enough, my parents, mainly my father, were brought closer to Judaism through Chabad. By the time I was in the fourth grade, we started driving to shul. Eventually, we started having Friday night meals, and a few years later, the family kept Shabbat and Kashrut fully in the home. For me, as a rising teenager, I viewed much of this as a burden and a restriction. I already tasted the life of a non-observant Jew, and while I enjoyed family Friday night dinners, it quickly became too much for me. As my family became more religious, I secretly hid under my bed, playing Game Boy or watching YouTube. So I'm on Shabbos. And also, I assume he means under his covers, not under his bed. That would just be weird. Okay. I'd hang out with friends, and I never cared about religious Judaism. In fact, because none of my friends were religious, I started to resent my family's move toward a more observant lifestyle. While this eventually led to many fights, I respected my parents and didn't use electronic devices in front of them. So much so that I pretended to be a good Jewish boy and tried to make my father happy by putting on a fake show of religious observance. But in reality... I didn't keep Shabbos or kosher. By the time I was approaching my bar mitzvah, I started having lessons with my Chabad rabbi on laning the parsha and reciting my Dvar Torah. As I approached the big day, my dad and my rabbi sat me down separately and explained to me the situation, that my mom may not be Jewish and that I have to take a precautionary measure and go through the mikvah conversion process if I chose to be a Jew. I had already had the ritual of Brit Milah done when I was 10, When I was alone with the rabbi, he mentioned that it's my choice whether I wanted to be Jewish or not, and that regardless of my choice, my parents would still love me. I chose to go through with the conversion, even though I specifically remember not wanting to observe any of the mitzvahs. I remember doing it only for my father. I had no interest in being a Jew. I also know that I didn't keep a single Shabbat or kosher for a few years after that, after my conversion. My parents never knew about this. My question today is as follows. 
three simple words. Am I Jewish? Do I need to go through another conversion? It's very scary to think that I may not actually be considered halachically Jewish, but thinking about where my intentions were when I went into the mikvah and knowing that I wasn't observant for many years directly afterwards makes me question the validity of my conversion. For the first time in my life, I question my Judaism and with fear question whether or not I am allowed to keep this coming Shabbos to its fullest extent. This is a boy learning in a yeshiva today, and um, I got this email on a Wednesday. So we had uh, two days to figure out whether he's allowed to keep Shabbos. So that is Shaila number one. Shaila number two. This one was a phone call, so I'll just summarize what happened. Shaila number two. I got a phone call from a friend of mine who lives in Chicago, and apparently the Chicago White Sox last Saturday were running a promotion that the first 20,000 fans in attendance will get a really nice, genuine Chicago White Sox jersey. I think by the White Sox, first 20,000 fans in attendance means everyone, right? All of them. All of them get a nice Chicago White Sox jersey. Probably would be a better promotion if they gave out a Chicago Cubs jersey. But be that as it may, they were giving a very nice Chicago White Sox jersey. And uh, there's a fellow, he's obviously not going to go to a game on Shabbos, a religious guy, but there was a fellow who decided to buy two tickets to the game. He then gifted those two tickets to a non-Jewish employee of his, and said, here, I got two tickets, great seats to the game tomorrow. All I ask is that you get the, that when you get the jerseys, show up on time, so you get the, when you get the jerseys, you give them to me. Uh, Shaila is, is that permissible to do, considering that all of this is happening on Shabbos? Question number three. Um, hello, I have, I'm reading this one, obviously. <laughs> I have a manufacturer that makes pallet wrap. You know what pallet wrap is? When I, I wouldn't have either till I wrote a safer, and they deliver this uh, a pallet of you know it's like this uh, wooden thing with uh, boxes piled up on it, and in order that the boxes don't tip over, they wrap it in plastic. Like it's like, right, heavy-duty saran wrap. That's exactly what it is. So they wrap all the boxes together. It is not fun pulling it off and trying to you know, get all the boxes out, but it's the best way for them to ship things, for them to package things. So this guy sells, uh, hires a manufacturer and sells pallet wrap, I guess, right? It's a business. Someone's got to do it. They come on rolls that wrap around a core kind of similar to how silver foil is wrapped on a core. I make them in three sizes, 1,000, 1,200, and 1,500 feet. I've told the manufacturer countless amounts of times that the measurement has to be exact. It cannot be shortened for any reason. The problem is there's no way for me to actually measure it every time. The prices he gave me were always based on the measurements of what I buy. A lot of this business was based on accurate pricing. We put in a lot of time, money and effort into selling this based on those prices and weights, measurements, etc. The problem is I have a feeling he shortens the plastic. I've asked him about it, and he assures me every time that the length is exactly what I've ordered. The weights are dropped lighter on what it's supposed to be sometimes, but I can't check every box for every order. It's simply impossible. What do I do? This item is selling as we speak online. I need this manufacturer. I need these prices. I need this item. Am I stealing from my customers if I'm ordering and paying for the exact measurements, but my manufacturer might be undercutting me? Okay, good. So, uh, which one? First one. Oh, two. Oh, you heard one already? 
Oh, I did that in the Shulon Shul. How many people were there? <laughs> Just one, the two of you? The first one, yeah, they heard it. Ah, I'm sorry. Ah, I know. What? Maybe I'll say some different stuff then. Okay, we'll give a different answer. <laughs> okay, um, obviously the, uh, the the sugya that uh, is well not obviously um, the sugya that seems to be relevant over here is the sugya. Well, why am I giving away? You tell me. What, what 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 are the issues over here? What do we need to figure out? Gerkatan is a very relevant sugya over here. We also have a suffix whether his mother is Jewish and what kind of nemanis there might be there might be over there. And uh, it wasn't. There was one thing that wasn't abundantly clear in the email, and that is whether when they gave him that choice, he said it was around bar mitzvah time, around, around before or around after. There may, ah, so there may be a difference. What is the uh, and 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 if it was around after or or before, meaning the thing we're going to have to really get down to is what's consi- is is kabbalas mitzvos ma'akiv and if it is, what's considered Kabbalah's mitzvahs? Now that's a highly political question, it happens to be, but it's really fundamentally a halachic question, right? Is Kabbalah's mitzvahs ma'ake v'gerus? And what do we define as Kabbalah's mitzvahs? Can we say that this person did a Kabbalah's mitzvahs? Because when they asked, are you Kabbalah the mitzvahs? He said, yes. He said that he's Kabbalah the mitzvahs. And, and in public, his public face was, at least in front of his parents, was that he was Mechabal the Mitzvahs. So what exactly do we do with this? So let's assume for a moment that, uh, that, that this was a Ger Katan case, that it was not when he was an adult. It would be much, much, much more challenging if it was when he was already past Bar Mitzvah. Why? Because when, when you're past Bar Mitzvah, there's no doubt that you need a Kabbalah, a direct Kabbalah of Mitzvahs. That is hard to say that he did if he was never Shomer a single Shabbos. By nobody's standards did he observe mitzvahs for even a day. He didn't keep kosher, he didn't keep Shabbos. Now, it's true there is a comment that the Rambam has in one place where the Rambam says that even if you're not modia, mitzvahs, mitzvahs, kalos, mitzvahs, mitzvahs, chamuros, you don't let him know about certain mitzvahs, kalos, and chamuros. The Rambam writes in one place that it's not ma'akiv v'gerus, and people like to make a big deal about that Rambam and say, oh, you see that kabbalah's mitzvahs is not ma'akiv, but the Rambam also says that Kabbalah's mitzvahs is not only elsewhere, that Kabbalah's mitzvahs is not only ma'akiv, it's the very definition of gerus. The Rambam talks about when a person wants to be makabal the mitzvahs of the Torah, and, and, and then you go through the gerus process. Meaning the Rambam defines gerus as entering the community of Shomri Torah mitzvahs, and, and then the process is mila and tevila. Uh, you know, Baliatosl say, no, no, the process is Mila, Tevila, Kabbalah's Mitzvahs. Those are all steps of the process. The Rambam seems to hold it's much bigger. So it's a steer on the Rambam. On the one hand, the Rambam seems to assume Kabbalah's Mitzvahs is the definition of Gerus. On the other hand, the Rambam says, oh, and if you're not Mudia, Mitzvahs, Mitzvahs, Kalos, Mitzvahs, Mitzvahs, Chamuros, don't worry about it. So this is a kasha that all the Achronim already asked. Uh, about this Ram, not, all, not just the Achron, the Ramah points out the stira. The Ramah says, I don't know, it seems to be a problem over here, it seems to be a stira. Ramah doesn't say how we paskin, but it's at least a suffix in Ramah. But the, the Achronim point out that L'chorah, the Achiezer, and Chem Shlomo, others point out that you can answer the stira pretty simply, that there's a difference between Kabbalah's mitzvos and Hoda'as mitzvos. What's Hoda'as mitzvos? So when the person's in the mikvah, at the moment of the gerus, we remind them of certain basic mitzvahs. 
mitzvahs kalos, mitzvahs chamuros, you know, the basic rundown about the notion of tzedakah, about, you know, there are certain basic things. Yeah, kashras and Shabbos and Taras HaMishpacha and Hafrash HaSchala, whatever, the Gemara gives us uh, some ideas. You're supposed to let them know, not everything. You don't go through, you don't open up a Sefer HaChinuch and say, okay, now we're up to Shchut Eichut. There is a lot of, right, you, you just, uh, you give a few, a basic idea of mitzvahs, mitzvahs, kalos, mitzvahs, mitzvahs, chamuros. That's Hoda'as mitzvahs. Kabbalah's mitzvahs is that the person accepts that they're going to be observant. How do I know that you could have a Kabbalah's mitzvah without a Hodah's mitzvah? What's the historical precedent? Come on, this is an easy one. Where was there ever a Kabbalah's mitzvah without knowing what they were? Hasinai, Nasevanishma. We didn't ask Maksivba. That was all the other nations that were asking Maksivba. But Sarah Solomon likes to give a shmuz where he says, and if we would have asked Maxivba, what would the Rebona Shalom have told us to, to make it impossible for us to say that we're able to do that, to, to give us our, our biggest challenge, right? Well, Sirtzach wouldn't have been such a big challenge for us. We would have been like, okay, I don't want to murder anyway. We'll get my hands all dirty. You know, like, what, what, what would have been the thing that, so Matsyar Solomon says, it, it would have been Lashon Hara. Uh, Baruch Hu would have said he never let us speak Lashon Hara, and we would have said Ka'af, we're, we're Yentas, that's what we are, that's our <laughs> our nature. Elamai, when Akash Baruch Hu gives you the Torah, gives you the mitzvos, is he's also giving you the ability to observe those mitzvos. So you have the ability to observe those mitzvos. Okay, but anyway, well, well, that's uh, beside the point. That's the truth. Um, I mean, it's important, but that's a, it's not, not not for our topic tonight. So you can have a Kabbalah's mitzvah without a Hoda'as mitzvah. You can have a Hoda'as mitzvah without a Kabbalah's mitzvah. You can let the person know, mixes mitzvahs, kalos, chamurus, and the person might say, yeah, I accept those, but I'm not accepting everything just blindly. You know, I'm going to assess each and every one. So that's not a Kabbalah's mitzvah, even though you may have had a Hoda'as mitzvah. So it would seem the Pashtas is, and, and we'll, we'll discuss this in a little more detail, but it would seem that the Pashtas is a Kabbalah's mitzvah, one way or another, is, uh, is, is Ma'akiv. To what standard do you need to be makabel mitzvos? Meaning, I'm going to say, oh, I'm makabel mitzvos, but that means that the first time the person, the ger, speaks lashon hara, that's it, they're out. Meaning, ah, oh, you see, they were never makabel mitzvos. The first time the female ger has a sleeve that goes above uh, whatever uh, you know uh, we assume the normal standards are, so that's it, that they're out. They're, that the gerus is no good. No, so Kabbalah's minimum, Shachta likes to say, is uh, it's, it's the, the Orthodox community within which the person lives. He always gives example. He says, Ramaz or better, meaning as long as it's, a, it's a, an Orthodox community, so the Upper East Side community and the Ramaz community is an Orthodox community, uh, are they as Makhbit and Sneos in the very modern communities as they are in Williamsburg? Uh, probably not. I mean, not, but, uh, <laughs> but nevertheless... It's an Orthodox community. It's a community of uh, fundamentally Shomitara mitzvahs. And as long as the person is willing to live to the standards of that community. So if in my community we eat only super-duper kosher food with five hashkachas on it, but when we're at a chasana eating that food around the table, all we do is we talk Lashon Hara around the table the entire time. So as long as the ger does the same thing. They uh, eat the super-duper kosher food and they talk Lashon Hara around the table the whole time. So they have been mekabel the mitzvahs. Right, that's a now, but there's no Orthodox community where it's acceptable to be Michal Shabbos, where it's acceptable to not keep kosher. Right, that's a very fundamental uh, foundation of, uh, of 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 Kabbalah's mitzvahs. So, if this person is saying that he was never Mikabel for even a moment at that time, he was never Mikabel to keep kosher and keep Shabbos, and that, then he's got a problem. 
then Lukhari has got a problem. It happens to be, he told me, that this happened two weeks before his bar mitzvah. The conversation happened two weeks before his bar mitzvah, which means this is not a situation of a regular gerus, this is a situation of ger katan. And that's a whole different story. You wanted to say something? Yeah, you said that it's Mechabal Mitzvah's. The only reason he agreed to do it was because of Kibbutz. Right. So th- there, there are two issues over here. There's Kabbalah's Mitzvah, which we discussed a little bit. There's also an issue of uh, being Megayer for ulterior motives. Right? A person wants to be Megayer because he thinks, uh, uh, you know, Jews are smart, so he's going to gain IQ points as soon as he becomes a Jew. I don't know. He wants to be Megayer because he thinks. Um, that uh, the girl of his dreams will marry him if, uh, if he's Jewish. Um, you know, he thinks he'll get better job opportunities, whatever it is. So those are all bad reasons to be Megayer. And we're not supposed to be Megayer somebody if we think that that is their reason to be Megayer. But the Gemara is explicit, and the Ram Paschal is this way, and Shulchan explicitly, that if they do, it counts as a Gerus. That's definitely not Ma'aki. But he was Megayer Nah, come on. That's not for a mitzvah. He, 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 want, he didn't want to create friction, friction in his family. He didn't want to create friction in his family. He was told that his parents would love him, but he knew that they would be very, very upset and that it would cause a lot of tsaras in the family. So he just didn't want to create friction in the family. I think, I think that's, that's what he meant to say. Let me ask that. Um, so the, the question then becomes, okay, what about Kabbalah's mitzvahs by Ger Katan? How important is that? Meaning, for years after his bar mitzvah, he didn't observe mitzvah. So, do we just waive the requirement of kabbalas mitzvah by ger katan? So, the sugi, of course, is a sugi masach ksubis tapid aleph, where the uh, gemara tells us, "Amar Afuna ger katan matbilu al das bezdin." We put him in the mikvah al das bezdin. He doesn't have any of his own das. He's not a bar das yet, but uh, we use bezdin's das. Bezdin gets to make the the, uh, the the substitute for him. And the gemara says, "Well, my kamashman, what's the chiddush?" To be a Jew when you could be We already know that. So says Gemara, no, it's not so obvious that it's a zechus. I might have thought that an Ovid Kachavim is Bevkeren Nichalei, prefers the life of Bevkerus, because we say that by an Eved. So interesting. This fellow is saying he didn't want to do it because he was Ta'am Tam Chet. The Gemara says Ta'am Tam Chet is only a Svara for a Gadol. It's not a Svara for a Katan. He wasn't really Ta'am Tam Chet. He tasted what lobster tastes like, but he wasn't really Ta'am Tam Chet until he has an adult Yetzir Hara. You know, to have a child Yetzir Hara, that's not really Ta'am Tam Chet. So that he's still, he's still malleable enough that he could adjust to a different lifestyle. Once he's a gadol, it's much more difficult for him to, uh, to, to, to want to change. So we say for a katan, it's a zechus hulo. The Gemara then goes on to tell us a few lines later in the Gemara that higdilu uh, um, that even though we're going to be matbil al das bezdin, when he becomes a bar mitzvah or she becomes a bas mitzvah, yicholun limchos. They have the ability to say, not interested, and walk away, right? And that's the conversation that you have to have with them. Uh, do you want to accept it? Uh, if you don't have that conversation with them, which often happens where that conversation never happens, the parents don't want to tell the kid they're adopted, parents don't want to tell the kid that this is an issue, and the kid finds out, let's say, five years later, like we once had a, I think we once even discussed them this year, a kid found out when he was a senior in high school that he was supposed to be offered the option, and he was never offered 
the option and he decided, uh, you know, one day he missed uh, Sunday school, you know, he missed Shir on Sunday, and the Rebbe said to him on Monday, where were you yesterday? He said, church. And the Rebbe said, what do you mean church? He said, yeah, I discovered that I was supposed to be offered, so I'm playing the field a little bit now. I want to see what's out there. And so that's a big shayla. Or worse yet, 20 years later, and he's got a wife and kids, and he was never offered, and now he's, you know, the wife and kids thing isn't working out so well for him. He's not enjoying it so much. And he uh, maybe decides now that he's not interested. So can he just walk away at that point? So it's a very complicated thing. It's not right not to give that, uh, that option. It's a major machlokas aposkim. What you do if a person, even if he's been observant, but he's only been observant because he thought he had no choice. He's never told him he had a choice. Okay, that's the notion of Now, what we shouldn't deal with in this Gemara right away is there's something missing over here. You know, what are the ingredients of a Gerus? Tevila, yeah, what else? Mila. And potentially Kabbalah's Mitzvahs, right? I mean, Kabbalah's Mitzvahs, definitely, let's even call it definitely, but whether it's, it's like Mila and Tevila, part of the process, or whether it's the definition, okay. But those... What does the Mishnah say? What does the Gemara say? Matbilinoso aldas beizdin. What about the Mila? Why don't we mention malinoso aldas beizdin? Why don't we say what happened to the Kabbalah's mitzvahs? Where did that go? So as far as the Mila, the Ritva writes, well, it doesn't mention Mila because that's not relevant for girls. So we want to pick something that's Shavalakal Nefesh. Or the Ritva says, we choose the Gemar Geris, and the Tevila comes after the Mila. So we want to mention the thing that's uh, going to represent the Gemar Geris. Or the Ritva says, the Mila is still going to be there when he gets older, and he, and he has a chance to object. So that's why we don't mention the Mila. We'd rather mention the, uh, the Tevila. Or Rashid Mugbet says that Mila may not be a Zuchus for him. Because if the whole thing is there's tsar when it comes to Mila. The Gemara says in Masechus Ksubis that we don't say Atav Ametim because there's tsar liyanuka. Hasam Chobimono, rather, by a bris Mila because there's tsar liyanuka at the time of the bris. The baby is in uh, some amount of pain at the time of bris. That's part of the discussion whether you're allowed to use a topical anesthesia when you do a bris Mila. Is tsar liyanuka like a uh, requirement or it's like an unfortunate thing that they couldn't figure out how to solve? But now if you can solve it, Maybe better, better to, to solve it. So that's a discussion that's 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 had in uh, in postcom, especially when it comes to doing brisim on older people who uh, made aliyah from Russia. Um, so there's a whole discussion about that. Now, okay, so that's as far as me. What about the Kabbalah's mitzvahs? So Kabbalah's mitzvahs is not mentioned in the Mishnah. So first of all, isn't Ma'akev in general? So that we discussed a little bit. But the Rambam says Hoda'as mitzvahs is not. We pointed out the Achiezer, Chel Gimelson, Chavavos, Dalit, difference between Hoda'as mitzvahs and Kabbalah's mitzvahs. Chen Shlomo agrees. The Ritva, however, seems to assume that it's not Ma'akev. And that's why, and, and, and he says, and that's why the Mishnah doesn't mention it. Because Kabbalah's mitzvah is not Ma'akev in any Gerus. So we don't have to mention Ger Katan. But that's not how we pass in the Shulcharach. In Shulcharach, we assume Kabbalah's mitzvah is Ma'akev. So what happens to the Katan's Kabbalah's mitzvah? Where is his Kabbalah's mitzvah? How you answer that question is going to be very critical for this guy. Because if he's going to need some sort of Kabbalah's mitzvah at some point, he didn't seem to have it yet. But if we just say, nah, for a Katan... For one reason or another, we waive the requirement of Kabbalah's mitzvahs. Well, then he had a perfectly good gerus. So Shidduch Mitzvahs writes, Kabbalah's mitzvahs is only necessary when it's possible. It's not possible for him to do Kabbalah's mitzvahs. Why not? He's a katan. He doesn't have das. 
So it's similar to how Rishonim and Yivamis Memches explain that even though Tavol Vachar Kach Mal Tzarech Tvila Cheres, right? You, you have to do the Tvila after the Mila. If you reverse the order, you got to do the Tvila again because Tvila has to come after the Mila. Yet uh, a pregnant woman's Tvila works for a child. What do you mean? He doesn't have a bris Mila in in, in, in in utero. So how could it be that her Tvila works for the child? And, and then uh, you're going to be mal the baby afterwards. So that's what Shidim Gvetsas explains. Um, that's how all the Rishonim explain. Yevamus Memches. That, oh, that the Tevila worked for the child because at that point he wasn't eligible for a Mila. You couldn't do a Mila at that point. So whatever you can't do is, is, is not going to be Ma'akev. And, and that works. So, so, uh, so that's one, one approach. Tulsa and Sanhedrin of Samaches says, no, Kadir's Kabbalah's Mitzvah kicks in when he gets older. We just hang on for a little bit, and when he comes to Bar Mitzvah, and he observes Mitzvah, so we see that there's a Kabbalah's Mitzvah. That by his not being mocha, when given the opportunity, and, and, and agreeing that he wants to continue, so then there's a Kabbalah's Mitzvah. Ooh, so that's a big deal. Because what happens if he's, he, he's not Makabali, he's not mocha, he doesn't say, I'm walking away, but he doesn't do any mitzvahs. So that would be a problem, Lachora. That would be a problem. Um, the Birch Shmuel, Kiddushan Simitazvav, understands that Tulsa means the Kabbalah's mitzvah is not an ingredient of the Gerus, but it's a Ma'akev. So uh, once he's Makabal, it works retroactively. I mean, the Gerus happened already, but a failure in Kabbalah's mitzvahs will be ma'akiv the gerus. So, like retroactively, you're not going to go back to all the wine that he touched and say that it's, uh, you know, that that, that it's um, that, it, that it's that it's not kosher or whatever. Or to say that all this time he wasn't a Jew yet. No, he was a Jew. It's just that uh, it, it, the the ability to walk away is ma'akiv. The rugged shaver in Yisuri Bia Perikid Gimel writes that the role of Kabbalah's mitzvahs is an expression of a ratzon begerus, but a child has his parents or based in expressing the Ratzon for him. Meaning, Kabbalah's mitzvos, the w- this is the way we explain the Rambam. It's not part of the process. Not part of the process. It's the definition of Gerus. definition of Gerus is I'm joining the community. So the parents are able to make that decision for him. And therefore, there are two ways, essentially the way the Rabbi Shavar understands, there are two ways you could join the community. If you're an adult, you join the community by making a commitment to do what the community does, which is mitzvos. And if you're a child, you join the community by your parents saying, we're bringing our kid into this community. So that would be, that would be good enough. Or based in expressing, we're bringing this child in. So that would be enough. In which case, this fellow would not need a new Kabbalah's mitzvahs. It's a very, very tricky discussion. You know, the, the whole notion of Higdili Yichon Limfos, how does that play retroactively? So he made the Macha'a. Let's put it this way. He goes to the mikvah. Bracha or no bracha on the tevila. So if, if there is a bracha, Bezin would be making the bracha for him, right? The shayla in Achronin, you know, you know when we wash the tevilas Sidaim, when do you say the bracha? After the netila. Why? According to Taisus and Masechus Pesachim, why is it after the netila? Because by tevilas ger, the bracha has to be after the tevila. Why? Because he's not Jewish beforehand, right? That's the basis. So also, according to Islam, we do the same thing. That's how he's matzik the minute. Rav Shachter wasn't so pleased with that. Uh, you know, Beis Yosef sounds like he's not so pleased with it. 
Shulchanach sounds like he doesn't pasuk that way. As when Rosh Hashanah washes in the Tzidayim, he says on the Tzidayim before he washes his head. As once uh, Rosh Hashanah was once in the shul and he he washed until Tzidayim, he said bracha, then he washed until Tzidayim, and an eleventh grader from DRS came over to him and said, uh, um, "I just want to let the Rosh Hashiva know that the halacha is that you're supposed to wash first and then say the until Tzidayim." So he said. Oh, thank you very much. Okay, he wasn't going to start explaining places of the Beis or whatever. Thank you very much. So it made the boy feel good that he knew something of Shachter didn't. He'd never heard of this before in all those years. <laughs> Wild. Um, the so so, but by Tvilas Ger, you can't say the bracha beforehand, right? What if it's a Ger Katan? So Sefer Derech Likudach of Shachter likes to point out holds that you say the bracha of Las Yasan. Because the basin saying the bracha, the ger is not saying the bracha, and they're allowed to say the bracha beforehand. Uh, wild, no. But some of the some of the achronim want to suggest maybe there shouldn't be any bracha at all. Why, why shouldn't there be any bracha at all? Retroactively, will turn out he was never he was never a Jew. So wow, that's uh, that's that's quite a statement. Um, that's what the, I'm sorry. That's what the Derek Pukudecha writes. That it turned out that that that, there, that that there's no bracha at all. It's the Rivet in Balei Nefesh who says that you would say the, the Basin would say the bracha and they would say the bracha um, beforehand. Now, how can we treat him like a Jew in the interim if uh, if if there's always a chance that that it could the whole thing could be could come undone, could come unraveled? So the Rashba writes that since he's behaving like a Jew, we assume we'll continue to behave like a Jew and that he's not going to unravel. Meaning, oh, there's a rove, a chazaka, or something like that, a ruba de lesa kaman, that most children who are observant when they're 9, 10, 11, and 12 will continue to be observant when they're 13, 14, and 15. They're not going to go and uh, be mocha. But that would mean, what if he's a very rebellious child and you already see at 9, 10, 11, and 12 that he has zero interest? So that, l'chara, would mean you'd have to stop treating him like a Jew. Right, you, you have to not let him cook. I don't know how many twelve-year-olds cook, but still, you have to you have to be very careful about. Minchas says that, and this is critical also. Let's say he is malcha, and, and he doesn't go through with conversion, and then later on he converts. So Minchas says all he needs to do is a new kabbalas mitzvahs. Mil and tevila already happened. L'shem gerus. You don't need to redo that. All he's going to need to do is new kabbalas mitzvahs. Um, and how should he handle Shabbos in the interim if we're not sure whether he's going to be mocha or not be mocha? So he's, he observes Shabbos. Oh, but a guy Shabbos is chayv misa. He might be a guy. So the Achronim explain guy Shabbos is chayv misa when he's trying to be mechadesh das, when he's trying to establish a new religion. If he's not trying to establish a new religion, he's just doing it out of suffolk that he might be a Jew. So that's not called a violation of a guy Shabbos chayv misa. Okay. You know, in general, when a guy, uh, when a person is interested in converting, um, he he's not allowed to keep Shabbos. We 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 make him be mechal Shabbos once over the course of Shabbos. Rabbi Yisrael Reisman um, uh, had, had told the story to a guy in Mashul who was telling me about this, a Talmud of his, that he was hosting a potential Gerus candidate for Shabbos for a Shabbos meal, and um, the person seemed very sincere, wonderful person. And they were learning a lot of halachas. So I listened to this kasha the person said. He said, you know, they told me that until my conversion is final, I should strike a match every Shabbos. Right? He's got to be mechal Shabbos once. So every Shabbos, late Friday night, he strikes a match. Um, okay. He said, you know, but I was attending a shir, and I heard that there's something called the melach shein srich 
that if you're doing a malacha, but not for its intended purpose, not to you know, benefit from its intended purpose, then it's not really a malacha on a daraisa level. You didn't really violate a malacha. He said, I have no use for the fire that I'm lighting. I'm striking a match because they told me to strike a match. Isn't that a malacha shein suich legufa? That's one we want, right? That's a, that's a comment that we... That's a good takashi, no? So Rabbi Reisman said, you should maybe light a candle and read by the light of the candle. Make it a malacha suich legufa. And a chinami, it's a very, very strong kasha. That whatever they do, you know, normally we don't strike a match, say, turn the light on. Good, turn the light on, you'll, you'll use the light. And then uh, it won't be a malach shein suich That's what they say. The, uh, I think in one of Zobostin's funny svarim, they had, uh, they, he, he had uh, a story where, where a guy was uh, such a lahachisnik. That in that his whole neighborhood was turning from in Eretz that he was so angry that everyone was he was a chiloni, everyone was turning from. So all day on Shabbos he would drive around, just going up and down the streets just to upset all the people. So they said jokes on him. He doesn't have any need to get anywhere. He's just doing this just to anger the people. So maybe that's He's not even really being mechal Shabbos b'feim. Okay, maybe yeah, maybe not. Um, <laughs> It happens to be the riff leaves out the halacha of higdil yichal limchas. The Magen assumes that the riff doesn't paskin higdil yichal limchas. That's, that's academic. We do. So now what do I tell this fellow? So what, what are the issues of here? So if this was all by Ger Katan, so how do you understand the Kabbalah's mitzvah? So we had two models. We had one that the higdil yichal limchas is the idea that uh, you know, there is no need for Kabbalah's mitzvahs. And as long as he didn't make a macha'a, he's perfectly Jewish and there's no problem whatsoever. That's one. And then the other model is, no, of course there's a need for Kabbalah's mitzvahs. It's just that, uh, that we, we assume when he's not Malcha, that's his Kabbalah's mitzvahs. So according to the first way of understanding, he's absolutely Jewish. According to the second way of understanding, he's not absolutely Jewish. So I think we generally pass in the first way, that if he did not make a Macha, he is Jewish. However, however, it is wise to advise a person who converted with some Chabad in the Midwest somewhere, you know, that, that may or may not be a recognized based in, certainly by the Israeli government, where they have lists and whatever, you know, what is recognized, what's not recognized. It is certainly wise with someone with a questionable yichus to get a proper uh, tuuda, you know, that he has, uh, that he's had a proper geru. So I recommend it. I said, you're Jewish and you absolutely must keep Shabbos this week, um, but, and every week following, but you, uh, you should really get in touch with the Beisden to, uh, to figure this out. When I spoke to Yitzhak Zilberstein about this, I met with Yitzhak Zilberstein at Yitzhak the day after I got the Shiloh. The Shiloh came in on a Wednesday. I met with Yitzhak Zilberstein on a Thursday morning, and I asked him, uh, I, I, at that point I didn't know if it was before Bar Mitzvah or after Bar Mitzvah that, he, that, that they offered him the out. So I, I asked him, what the fellow should do. And Rav said, similar to Menchus he said, he's in the yeshiva, tell him to get three chevra from the yeshiva, three guys, and just say in front of them, I'm a couple mitzvahs. That's it. So he's a couple mitzvahs in front of Beisdin, and now he already had his mila, l'shem geras. He already had his tevila, l'shem geras. All he needs is a couple of mitzvahs. Who says a couple of mitzvahs? has to be right after the, uh, the mila and the tevila. But again, as a practical point for his own, uh, for his own benefit, for his own well-being, it would be very good for him to uh, to be mekabel uh, to, to to get a proper to uda for his gerus. Okay, um, we have like five minutes. Question two or three? Any questions? Three. 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 
Okay. Um, can I just say I don't know? <laughs> I, here's what I don't know, right? There's uh, different types of I don't know. You know, that story I, I always like to tell, I think Romero Tversky, I heard it from once, that, uh, that Rav, Rav Hirschsprung was at a chasana, and uh, someone came over to, uh, this, uh, some bachar came over to ask Rav Hirschsprung uh, a shayla, and uh, Rav, uh, to ask, a, not a shayla, a kasha, and a rashper or something, and Rav Hirschsprung said, I don't know. And the bachar was like, yeah, you know, I, like me and Rav Hirschsprung are the same. I don't know, and he doesn't know, right? So we're, we're like, we're both the same. So uh, after the Bach left, Rav Hirschberg turned to whoever was next to him and said, that's cute. He thinks that his I don't know and my I don't know are the same. Meaning that there's, there's, there's an I don't know because L'chaira, this is against Rabbi Kivager in uh, Menachos or something. And there's I don't know because I really don't know how to read Hebrew. So I just don't know how to write, you know. So th- there are different levels of, uh, of I don't know. Okay, so let's let's get to a deeper I don't know than just I don't know. The answer is going to spoiler alert. The answer is I don't know, but uh, let's let's try to make it a little bit of a deeper I don't know than 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 uh, than just that. Um, so the issue is that uh, there are a couple of issues over here. One is what is and is not considered a reasonable mistake that uh, that a person would be mochel, that a consumer would be mochel. Uh, that's that's one issue because when there's a mum in a mekach, then we can say oh no, mekach taus, all of those things. When it's the 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 shulchanar and reishlam beisivav says that a mum is defined by what a normal person would return based on that mum, but things that a normal person would just you know let it go, even though this person may be makbid, uh, that's not a mum in the mekach. So that that's. That's that's one thing. However, it doesn't seem that that geder is is relevant over here. Why? Because the Shulchan Aruch and Reish Lam Beis Sefalaf and Chalshim Mishpat writes, "Hamochel lechaveru b'mida b'mishkal o b'minyan." That if you're selling based on measurement, weight, numbers, something that's clearly quantifiable, v'ta'a b'kol shu chazer liolam. That whenever the in the whole din of uh, one sixth, more than a sixth, all that, that's only when it's some sort of assessment that you're making after the fact. But when it comes to a specific measurement, a specific weight, and you're just off, then absolutely you have to return. A Ketzad, for example, I'm selling you a hundred egozim for one dinar. Vinimsa kofalif otzadi test turned out to be a hundred and one, or it turned out to be ninety nine. Nikna who maxer tos vafilu achar kamashanim. The mekach is 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 final, and you have to. The mekach is final, but you do have to give back the the extra. You have to give back the money. And the sma points out the mekach is only final because it's easy to fix. But if it's let's say karka and you don't own the neighboring karka and you told the guy he's getting I don't know. Uh, 500 yards of karka and he's only getting uh, 490 and you don't know the next 10, then the whole mekach is going to be batal, right? That for sure. So it would seem that if we know for sure that these rolls of plastic are off, then it's a bitl mekach, right? It's terrible enough. But wait, the, the, the guy selling it has no idea. He can't measure it himself. He's buying it from the manufacturer. It's up to the manufacturer to measure it. Why can't he say, if you discover that it's not the right amount, don't bother me, go to the manufacturer. They're the one that, uh, that cheated me in the first place. So the halach is clearly not that way. 
The Allah is clearly, at least for Ashkenazim, the Ramah is clear in Sifyut Ches, in, in, in Reish Lamed Beis, that the, uh, the, the person, the, the mocher, the person who's selling it, has, uh, if he's selling something with an absolute mum to the buyer, um, and uh, even if the seller was totally unaware of the pagan, and it was a total shogeg, and the seller himself was cheated, he can't turn around and cheat anybody else. It's not, uh, it's not permissible. So the mekach is going to be bottled, the seller is going to be responsible, the seller would have to take it up with the manufacturer if he wants to take it up with the manufacturer, but it is not the buyer's responsibility to go back to the manufacturer. Great. All of that is if he knows that they're off. What if he doesn't know that they're off? He's masubak. He's suspicious that it's, that it's off by a bit. So if it's a case where the seller could have checked, um, you know, then even the mechaber, everyone would agree that the seller is responsible. He has to check if he could have checked. Uh, two things. First of all, it's only a suffix, like we said. And, you know, and, and if the guy that, that he's buying from keeps telling him, I'm doing it right, and he has no proof that he's not doing it right, I don't know where the leidas the suffix even is. I don't know why you, you, you would have to assume the worst. And besides for that, you know, there's a discussion in Rishonim what if you have a nod b'pachos mishlus? You know, where there's uh, not going to be a bitul mekach, right? Where there's, uh, we say, enona. Or what about by karkos? Where enona be karkos? Is there an iserona? Meaning, we're not going to cancel the mekach, but is there an iserona? Or do we say, no, there's just no iser. If there's no na, there's no na. The dinona and the iserona are one and the same. This seems to be machlok between the Ramban alatora. And Tosos. Ramban al Torah says, absolutely, there's an Isra There's no Dino Nabibach's Mishos. Tosos, but Messias, Samachalaf, and Menalaf seems to clearly assume, because Tosos asks, why I need a lav by Gezel of Karka? Why can't I just learn it from Ona? Oh, because they don't know the Karkos. That's why I need a Losase by Gezel of Karka. Meaning, implying very clearly that Ona would not be a Losase by Karka, because Enona be Karkos. So in Shulchanach, Shulchanach says, Roy Now, is this exactly that? This isn't exactly that, because there is a na'a by anything that's, that's measured. But he just, it's, it's a non-measurable thing over here. It's something that he doesn't have the ability to measure. So I'm not 100% certain. I just, I'm not, that, that's the, the I don't know. I don't know what we do with, with the case. I couldn't find Shulchanach in the few minutes I had to look tonight. Before I came here, I, I couldn't find what, what it said, what to do in the case of Suffolk. Now, do you say that it's like Suffolk Daraisa Lahachmir, because it's a Suffolk on the Isrona, which is Nisadaraisa? Or do you say, no, there's a Dinona uh, if the guy complains? If it turns out they did. But in the meantime, where it hasn't turned out anything, because no one's complained, and no one's ever going to measure, unless it's like way off, then they'll notice, right? Well, as long as no one ever complains and there's no one, then, then you're not in violation of any issue. Maybe subject to that machlokas, Ramban and Tosos. So that we'll leave it as an I don't know, but we'll leave it as an I don't know on that level. Okay, have a wonderful Shabbos, everybody.